our scripture this morning, uh, we continue our series through the Sermon on the Mount, and we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and we will begin in verse 19 and go through the end of the chapter in verse 34. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, I encourage you to open the Pew Bible, and you can turn to page 964 in the Pew Bible. Again, that's Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. There it's written. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would, please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to begin this morning by uh, contending that there are a handful of topics that uh, are found in Scripture and when preached from the pulpit make us really uncomfortable and even cause us to squirm in the pews. And right now you're going, oh my goodness, which one is he going for? 
And, and you could probably name them, right? It's, it's, it's the usual su- suspects with this. It's the stuff that we hold dear and private and, and we don't share with much others. It's sexual sin. It's politics. It's about marriage and divorce. And it's, of course, about finances. Yet, when we read God's word, it does not avoid these topics simply because we get uncomfortable hearing about them and being told something other than what we hold privately about it. Jesus doesn't avoid it. In fact, he intentionally teaches about these areas that we like to hold privately in the dark and shines the light of the gospel onto them. And when it comes to money, Jesus never held back. In fact, in all of the gospel accounts, Jesus tells 44 parables. And Jesus uses parables to try and get his point of cross. And in all the parables of the 44, 16 of them talk about the use or the misuse of money. The Sermon on the Mount is not a parable. It's a sermon. It's a teaching of Jesus, and so it's not even part of the 16 that we talk about in the parables. And here, as Jesus is is talking about what it's like to give alms, what it's like to pray, what it's like to fast, what it's like to be doing these things in following him, he takes this time to preach on treasure, but not in the way where I'm going to tell you today you should be giving more to charity, or where I'm going to instruct you that the giving you give to the poor is currently insufficient, or that your local church simply needs more dollars to survive as a business organization. No, what Jesus does in his sermon is does something so well it takes it to the very heart of the issue, for he connects our treasure with our trust. And with our ability to trust. And he does so in, in, a, in a simple formula here. He gives a command. And then he gives a corrective command. And, and, and he does it twice. The first one he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. That's the command. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And the corrective command, he says, but... Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And then in the other way, he he goes on, he says, do not be anxious about your life. That's the command. Do not be anxious about your life. And it's corrective. Comes towards the end. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's connecting our treasure with our trust. And what we realize here in this sermon, in, in, in seeing uh, treasure and, and anxiousness together, treasure and trust together, is that Jesus is actually warning the believers, his disciples, those who are following him, those who are up there on the mount with them. He is giving a warning here in his sermon. He warns us that when we go seeking money and earthly treasures as our priority, that our goal in life is to attain this 
thing of the created world or to attain this amount of a bank account or this amount in a paycheck or, or this new car or this home, when those become the priority and the focus of our lives, then very naturally we will, we will have a hard time trusting him for anything. When we focus on earthly treasures and attaining those, we will have a hard time trusting in Jesus for anything. For he says it plainly. You cannot serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Oftentimes, we don't connect this preaching Jesus has about anxiousness with the teaching he has about treasure, but Jesus does. He's just teaching about treasure, and then he's, therefore, because I just taught you this about treasure, therefore, have this understanding about trust and anxiety in your own life. In our Bibles, we do this really cool thing. We put subheadings and they help us study the Bible and break it up. And so we can kind of get a main idea of the point going into the section. But what it does here is it separates Jesus's sermon where Jesus did not separate it, but rather where he joins it together. Treasure and trust go hand in hand. And we see that later on in the gospel of Matthew. It takes a few chapters, and we can get all the way to Matthew chapter 19. And there, Jesus doesn't tell a parable, but he has a real-life encounter with what is called the rich young ruler. If you're unfamiliar with this story, this rich young ruler, he, he has everything. And he comes up to Jesus when he's with his disciples, and he says, What must I do to gain eternal life? He asks Jesus this question. And Jesus says, Well, you must keep all of the commands. He says, I've done that since my youth. He has some other requirements for me. He says, I've accomplished those. And Jesus says, but you lack one thing. Sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Now you think for a moment, well, maybe the rich young ruler was really because he just heard the key for what he needed to inherit eternal life. The one thing left that he must do that he lacks to be able to gain eternal life. But he wasn't jumping for joy. If you're unfamiliar with the story, he leaves. The scripture tells us that he walks away sad for he had many possessions. What Jesus preaches about here, we see played out in real life with the rich young ruler encountering Jesus. For the rich young ruler served money and served his earthly possessions and treated them as his utmost treasure. And because of that, it was impossible for him to get rid of it for Jesus' sake. He treasured the things of this earth more than he treasured Jesus. And it's Jesus who taught. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
So he tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when he tells us that in this sermon, when he preaches that, he's, he's talking about anxiety over basic needs, right? He's, he's been like, why are you worried about food and drink and clothes? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek it before you seek food, before you seek drinks, before you seek clothing. He goes, look at creation around you. Are you not more valuable than that that I take care of and provide everything for? And you're like, it's, it's basic needs. And he reminds us that our Father knows our needs. But he calls on us to trust him to provide them. To trust him to provide them, not to trust in the created currency that allows us to buy and sell goods, but to trust in God. But why would Jesus be making such a big deal about this? Why would he have 16 parables teaching about the use and important thing to have in his sermon. Why is it such a, a great illustration with the rich young ruler and put it there in the gospel for us to understand? And quite simply, folks, it is for this reason that if we cannot trust God to provide for our earthly needs, it is impossible to trust him for our eternal need. But we've tried that. We try to do that. We, we try and compartmentalize our life and put it into sections. We're like, my salvation? Yes, Jesus, you've got my salvation. But my next meal, my mortgage, my retirement, I'll handle that. And Jesus makes it clear. That following him is an all-in proposition. For there is no such thing as a halfway Christian. And so there's a danger. There's a danger in seeking after earthly treasure first. Of, of making that our goal in life. Is that we will lose sight of who our Lord really is. See, Jesus doesn't just sneak in this little comment about our eyesight, right? He, he says, quite, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, and it is because we are sinful by nature, so the light within us is darkness, oh, how great is the darkness. And Jesus comes to bring light. That our eyes are to be affixed on the treasures in heaven and not of the treasures of earth. And when we lose sight of the Lord, we end up looking like the Israelites in Exodus as they're wandering in the wilderness and Moses is on top of Mount Sinai and they get bored and they say we don't even know if he's ever coming back make us a new God and they melt down all their gold 
and they worship a golden calf and call it God. And what happens is that when we begin treasuring earthly things, we begin trusting our ability over God's to do the provisions. Yet, no matter how hard we try to provide for ourselves and do it on our own, the truth is this, it is only Jesus who can save us. It is only Christ. For in all of the world, he is the only king, the only ruler to ever leave his throne and lay his life down for his people to be redeemed and saved and brought back into the kingdom. That is our great king. And there's been lots of kings and rulers throughout the ages. And when you travel through history, you can see that, that uh, they would build shrines unto themselves. Tombs, elaborate tombs. While they're still alive, they're, they're thinking of their burial and their afterlife. And they would have elaborate tombs built and, and locked up. And locked up with them in the tombs is all of their earthly treasure. It happened in all of the different cultures. The greatest of these is the Great Pyramid of Giza. Where now, as these pyramids and these tombs are found, there are excavated treasures taken out, and we can go and look at these earthly treasures in museums. Because here's what didn't happen, folks. These priceless treasures never made it to the afterlife. And so I would contend that the Great Pyramid of Giza and those like that stand as an illustration for how right Jesus was and how foolish we can be. Why live for the God of money? It always leaves you empty. Jesus says, rather seek after God's kingdom. That's Jesus' instructions. Don't seek after what money can buy. Rather, Jesus says, seek after what neither money nor power can buy. What moth and rust and thieves cannot tear down and steal. And that is the gospel found in Jesus that is everlasting in his kingdom. And for those who believe and follow him, our call is to treasure and trust in him. Amen. This morning, we are going to stand and sing. And as we do, in this sermon, Jesus challenges us. And so he invites us that as we stand and sing, all the people said, amen, so be it, that we are invited to consider our own lives and take account of our own treasures and really understand is it what it is that we treasure most. Could we give it up for Jesus? Let us stand and sing.